going guys welcome back to another episode of the podcast episode 11 today pretty stoked on this one before i introduce the next guest i just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of the bod- podcast dancing beard co now dancing beard co make beard balm and beard oil everything is made from natural and organic ingredients handmade here in melbourne if you had a, if you have your own beard or you know someone that has a beard this is going to give their beard the best nourishment and shape you could possibly ask for. What I recommend, guys, is you check out their website, dancingbeardco.com, or check them out on Instagram, at dancingbeardco. Get that stuff in your beard and you will not regret it. So, guys, the guest today is no one else than my mother, Monique McCarthy. She is a wonderful woman, extremely powerful, extremely strong. She has a pretty interesting story. We don't delve into it too much, but the topic we tend to stick with is mental health. She has worked in the mental health industry for many years throughout her life. She has had family members who have been in the mental health industry as well working, but she also has had her own personal experience with mental health. We get a bit into talking about depression and anxiety, ways she coped with it, how she views work and working in mental health and battling through her own demons and coming out the other side it is a wonderful story i hope you guys enjoy this episode episode 11 of the optimize self podcast if you guys are enjoying a podcast so far check me on itunes download rate review comment whatever you can speak to you guys again soon enjoy all right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Optimize Self podcast. I've got Monique McCarthy in the studio today. How are you going, Monique? Yeah, good, thanks, Simon. Uh, for people that don't know, Monique is my mother, and we uh, we're just pretty much having a chat. Today, we wanted to um, delve into a little bit of mental health and the way it's affected your, your life and, I mean, a little bit of your family as well, of course. I've seen it firsthand now. Um, you tell us a little bit about where you grew up. You grew up in Melbourne, Victoria. Is that right? Yeah, I was born in Melbourne, Victoria. Yeah, but um, when I was five years old, uh, my uh, our family moved to Beechworth in North East Victoria because my father um, received the position of opening up a psychiatric nursing school at the Beechworth Mental Hospital, as it was at the time. Okay. Um, was he running the, the hospital? No, no. He was. Um, he opened up the nursing school, which was on the um, grounds, and he was the, the tutor, the head tutor there. Okay, so you you kind of grew up around. I know you, you know your father being a, a mental health, like I guess, teacher in a sense. He was training training nurses to to be mental health nurses. Um, what was it like growing up around that environment? Because you were living on the grounds of a mental health hospital. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Um, initially, we were living in a, in a large house, which was owned by the mental hospital. Um, but then that was being converted into um, a um, alcoholic rehabilitation uh, area. So we then were moved into a house, a very old house, which was inside the uh, mental hospital grounds. Um, it was very old asylum so the house was um, on one side of the 
brick wall which originally would have surrounded the the whole asylum. Oh really? Yeah. How was that? Any stories <laughs> of, of patients? Well, it was it was just something that we we grew up around. Um, uh, you know, we, we became quite used because of our father working there and um, other family members. Um, it just became a part of um, our world because in those days those old asylums um, were uh, quite self-sufficient. They had their own dairies and piggeries and um, vegetable gardens. So yeah, it was um, as they were, they were quite vast uh, with expansive gardens. And um, yeah, so it was yeah quite uh, odd at times because we would have different clients of the hospital uh, come in and, and visit us. Um, unannounced? Unannounced. Um, so there were really some some interesting personalities. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were on the opposite side of, on the other side of the wall from where the house was, there was a large... Um, um, like the, an alleyway or yeah, driveway? Yeah, like, like an alleyway, but it was where the, the ground sloped right down against the base of the wall to make the, the wall higher to okay. prevent escape. So it was one of um, the wards where a lot of very unfortunate people were, were kept who um, in those days didn't, there wasn't really not, seemed to be not much of a cure. Um, what, what decade was this, in the uh, 60s? Yes, in the 60s, okay. yeah. So, yeah, um, but yeah, it was just something that um, was part of our lives and mm. probably part of the, the township of Beechworth because, you know, we would very often see clients at the hospital at the football matches or different events in the town. Yeah. Yeah. So um, growing up around that, um, did that put you on a bit of a trajectory to end up becoming a nurse? You obviously, you, you want to tell us a little bit about your training to become a nurse? Like, was it influenced by your father or the way you grew up? Um, probably uh, both, um, because in, in those days, um, Beechworth was a, a, um, there was a large number of people who were employed by government institutions because there was a very old prison there as well. Okay. So it was an opportunity for people to... Um, uh, yes, I had training facilities right within the town, so um, a number of young people left high school early or yeah. um, later and were able to go straight into employ paid employment because in those days under the old apprentice training schemes, you, you were virtually employed straight away as a student and you just did your training in blocks in the, in the um, nursing school. Okay. Uh, but um, it was something that uh, I really felt like deep down that I never wanted to, to do. Yeah. Um, I felt like, you know, that uh, my path in life was was obviously going to be within uh, a healing field, but that it was going to be in, in or, or the caring field, it was going to be in some, some other form. Mm. So... Um, yeah, I always had that in the back of my mind. So I was in two minds about um, commencing the training. Um, I went to art school first and then I ended up back in the hometown for various reasons and then found myself, um, probably for money, deciding to commence my, my psychiatric nursing certificate. And you completed it? Yes, I did, completed it, um, yeah. And did you go straight into work, into like that industry, or did you...? Yes, I did. I ended up um, living in Melbourne 
and uh, completing my training down there at Royal Park Psychiatric Hospital. And I started working there initially okay. as a registered nurse, but then I found myself back in Beechworth again, and I worked there. Um, yeah, during and during my time of having children, um, and then I moved. My my partner and I moved north with the children. They were very young. Moved to northern New South Wales, and I dropped out of nursing to um, yeah. pursue a life on the land. Yes, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so you had a bit of time off from all that that kind of mental health work, and then you picked it up again. How many years ago when you became you re-registered and started working in the industry? Well, it was out when my um, uh, yeah, you and your dad and I ended up moving um, to Western New South Wales for four and a half years from the north coast of New South Wales uh, to work, both work. So I, um, uh, yeah, went back into community nursing then, um, you know, working in uh, remote communities. So you were in a remote community, say, what, 500 kilometres inland from the coast? Oh, no, it was um, about 10 hours drive directly okay. west from where we were. And it's a small Aboriginal community? Oh, uh, yeah, predominantly. It predominantly. Was, yes, yes. What, how many people lived in Brewer The town was called Brewarrina. That's that right. right. It was called Brewarrina on the Barwon River, about 100 kilometres east of Burke. Um, Do you know what the population of the town was? I think it was about 600 okay. people. How yes. was that, um, getting... You know, you hadn't done like nursing or community health or mental health nursing for so long, and then you go into a, a, a community like that where you know there can be a lot more issues with with uh, a, many things, drugs and alcohol. I mean, I know there are issues in in all parts of the world and, and Australia, but was it was it a, a shock to you at all going out to a community like that when you used to work in you know, say the city? Yes, it was like a, a whole different world, really, because I'd never been to um, uh, to any of the remote parts of Australia until then. Um, so um, there was certainly some anxiety about that because um, people have to look after their property so much more carefully, whether it's um, having cages on the shop windows or having three locks on mm. your door. Um, yeah, to sort of keep keep safe mm -hmm. um, with your possessions. Uh, but um, yeah, living in a, um, a community where I was a minority um, as an Anglo-Saxon, yeah. it's very different as well. Um, but yeah, I, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed and parts that I found difficult. Yeah. In moving, you know, being long distances from places which meant long, long drives to get anywhere for a break. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll just get you to hold the mic a little closer there, just, just talk a little louder as yep. well. Um, so you did, what, four or five years out there, <clears throat> and then you ended up moving back to the north coast or the northern rivers of New South Wales, where where I grew up, um, and you and you continued to work in the in mental health and community health. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Um, on a yeah part time basis. Um, but having said that, when I was out at Warren, I had the opportunity to meld um, 
meld together, um, both of both uh, nursing and um, my uh, interest in, in healing art. Okay. I was able to offer, uh, as part of um, living in remote communities, as a nurse, you did a lot of health promotion is very important. Yeah. And I was able to um, conduct art class, saving craft classes to both Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal women. Um, and I know people who are listening, you've, you've been a lifelong artist with, you know, painting and drawing and, um, and your creativity. Is that something you've done a fair bit of? Is like, um, is it called art healing or art therapy? Yes, yes. I mean, art therapy is a more clinical term. Okay. Um, healing with art. Yeah, it's just, um, there's not so, the emphasis isn't on so much on diagnosis or assessment. Yeah. It's just giving the people an opportunity to, yeah, to ask questions about themselves and use the um, visual artistic medium to express it. What do you enjoy about that? Um, well, it's something I found um, very, oh uh, yeah, quite helpful for myself. It was something that always fascinated me and which I enjoyed. Um, yeah, so I could see how it's uh, um, helped me to. Uh, understand more about who I was yeah. and how I related to the world. So I just felt like I wanted to be able to to um, enable people to have that opportunity as well, mm. as well as needing to earn you know, an income in that field. For sure. Um, so yes, so it was basically um, healing with art, yeah. uh, healing or healing through art, I guess. What were some of the reactions from the patients? Like did some people just really come like, draw to it really well and others found it more difficult oh yes both of those and usually people don't think that they can create anything Mm. or draw or paint or sketch or whatever Um, but just through being offered some um, simple tools and some encouragement people were most of the time usually quite surprised at what they ended up um, doing and that was always a really um, positive experience for them and uh, it was something which I really um, I enjoyed being a part of mm. yeah yeah cool um, so then you came back to the north coast back to your original home did you and you continued working in the uh, the field of, of mental health yes that's correct um, when I was at Bawana I had the opportunity of working both in mental health and just as a community nurse um, but coming back to North Coast, uh, I went just into doing community mental health. Yeah. And um, yes, so I did that, uh, not full-time, I did that part-time only. Um, so yes, I was fortunate there too to be able to do some um, uh, art therapy uh, mm. with, with clients as well. Yeah. Yes. And what's it like working in that that environment that industry because a lot of the time you are dealing with some of the worst issues people are possibly having in their own reality through you know psychosis drug alcohol abuse many 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 issues um how do you did you have any self-managing techniques for yourself was it hard was it challenging at times working in that industry day in day out for a while Yes, it was. In hindsight, it was it was quite challenging. Um, we would have, you know, supposed to have clinic. We, you know, had clinical supervision, where we were given the opportunity um, with the psychologist to discuss what 
problems we were having in, within ourselves and dealing with certain clients or, or cases. Yeah. Um, and um, yes, because for most of that time, I was a sole mental health nurse um, working in the area that I was working at the time, although I did have a similar experience out, out, in, the, out in the remote areas. Um, but yes, so um, just working, not working within a mental health team was quite challenging at times because I felt, yes, like I was dealing and approaching certain situations on my own mm. and having to make um, you know, my own decisions mm. about how to intervene um, in the situation. Mm. So did you find yourself taking on some of the energy from the clients that you would see and the patients? I mean, I know you would do home visits. You'd have to go out to people's homes and that's a pretty personal thing to do to someone to, you know, have to go into their home and make sure, you know, certain things are, you know, I guess medications are being taken and, and, and seeing how they're coping. Did you find that you were... Like at times, would you bring on take on energies that you know maybe you wanted to leave at work but you couldn't? You mean when I came home? Yeah, when you came um, home. Yeah, like... um, yes, yeah, certainly. In in hindsight, I'm sorry. In hindsight, um, I would be thinking about whether or not I'd made uh, you know the best decision that was possible at the time on a Friday afternoon, and was that person going to be okay over the mm. weekend? Um, just thinking about what was happening for, for people, um, you know, seeing how they were struggling in, in their own lives um, with rather chronic mental health issues. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we, all, we had all the uh, occupational health and safety measures that were to you know, guide us in how we did home visits in particular. Yeah. But yes, most often I was home visiting on my own, but of course I would not do that um, without, if I felt that I was in a um, unpredictable situation or dangerous situation. Yeah, I yeah. think my age by that time and all my life experience that I'd been through had, had uh, given me a lot of knowledge to just um, have a feeling of what was happening for people and how best to talk with them. Yeah, these stress situations, but I never took that for granted ever. Yeah, I always looked after, tried to look after myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did you did you have a time or period when you started to notice like some of your own, you know, like your own psychology maybe maybe changing at all over that time? Um, yes, I felt like. That's as I was getting older, that there was other um, priorities in my life which seemed to be making themselves known. Mm. Um, and yeah, I started to think a lot about, you know, I would really like to resign from this work and just dedicate myself to, to just um, my, yeah, just to be able to slow down more um, so and. Uh, yeah, indulge myself in, in my art and craft interests. Mm. Uh, but there was always that, uh, um, you know, not working in that field and not earning a, a, a good income mm. was always you know, a, a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like anxiety and depression can happen to anyone, you know, at 
at any age and you know multiple events can trigger that stuff what what was it for you that started and like kind of triggered you to to lead down that path or was it all was it a sudden thing that that happened oh well it was very sudden in a sense that the symptoms came acute symptoms came on unexpectedly um physical symptoms particularly um but there there were probably a number of triggers that i could say i can't uh, place it on any particular um, trigger um perhaps um yeah that feeling that i was compromising myself in continuing to work in in such a in a, a stressful work situation mm. um uh, conflict about is it okay for me to leave because i won't be earning enough wage anymore and what am i going to do at, at this age um in my late 50s um plus um losing uh yeah i just started to lose connections with uh where i was living i was starting to feel like my time was perhaps coming to an end um about where i was living where we were living um my children my well you, yourself moving to melbourne so that meant that um neither of our children were around um oh uh probably yeah just perhaps physically feeling tired and i think because of that then things like my adrenal glands were starting to um, be compromised and um i was kind of listening to a certain extent but i wasn't fully aware mm. of perhaps where where it was where, where it could possibly head mm. and that's you know it's not a, not an unusual thing really mm. for that to happen it's just um the way it went yeah, yeah. what about um the i noticed it particularly maybe after the death of my dad's mother oh yes that's correct. that kind of seemed like just after that your anxiety and depression kind of shot through the roof um but that's my that's my perspective on it um what were some of the like like the feelings and emotions you had towards you know trying to make decisions if it was to work less or quit work or think about moving somewhere else like was it was it really hard to just kind of comprehend some some you know people might think they're basic decisions and easy things to make your mind up about but mm. they're not sometimes when you've got a mountain of, of anxiety coming coming up the hill no that's right um uh, you're probably right with with the, the death the, the death of, of of my of um peter's mother and the constant traveling flying which i ne- which i was nervous about and my my mum becoming unwell so it was traveling backwards and forwards from victoria quite a number of times during that year um oh uh probably a lot of fear was coming up okay within me about now that i'm looking back it's where we are now about the decisions that would probably only have to be made um which signified you know a big change in my life um, plus being older probably too you know when you're younger you're able to um deal with stressful situations or it can be easier to deal with stressful situations mm. more easily um yeah yeah probably age had something to had something to do with yeah. it as well but you know having said that anxiety and depression can occur yeah at any time at any age yeah 
because I've always known you, I mean, I still do know you're extremely strong, extremely, like, you know, you're very confident and you've always seemed like you're someone that has been in, you know, you've always been into, you know, if it's practicing yoga, meditation, artwork, um, eating, eating good foods, you know, you've always been quite aware of that stuff. So for me, I'm just like, you know, come on, mom, just, you know, put your head up, you'll be all right, keep your head up, keep moving forward. But it was so much more than that, even though you had this, seemed like you had such a strong sense of your own spirituality and who you were, it's like it was all tips, tips upside down for you. That's right, it was. And maybe that was part of the journey mm. of having to face, um, because when I was, uh, had anxiety, I, all I had was, all I could see all around me was just fear. Fear of everything. It was a pervasive fear. Yeah. And um, so, well, when you have something like that, um, it's very hard to try and, um, how can I say it, just, you know, feel who you are um, because you feel like you're, you're, you're defending whatever it is out there or what's in whatever it is within inside you mm. that's provoking this fear. Sorry, Iman, I forgot my train of the, no, no, that's fine. the conversation. Um, so with your like your spirituality and your belief mm. was, was oh. changed, it was put upside down from, yes. from where you were because you know you had a completely different thought pattern. Mm. Um, how could you see that changing? You know, was this, you know, because you always seem to have so much confidence in, you know, like I said, your spirituality and your belief with who you were. Mm. And all of a sudden it was, it was, it was tipped upside down. Like, yeah, well, um, were you questioning a lot of stuff like that? Oh, yes, I was because, um, it is like being turned upside down, mm. most definitely, and, and makes you have a look at what you have, um, perhaps learnt so far in your life. Mm. Um, and perhaps to continue on and, and live the life that I wanted to live from that, I perhaps I just needed to let go of a lot of fear that I was carrying around. Mm. I didn't even perhaps consciously know some of it was there. Um, it was certainly another way of getting to know who I am. Mm. Um, but it was like I, I couldn't do anything about it. It was like the intensity just took over yeah. of, of, of the anxiety and the depression. Yeah. And you really feel that you, you're losing control. Yeah. And the best way to describe it is, is, is you feel like you're lost in space. You feel your orientation in life. You feel um, not like who you are or you're not sure what. Yeah, it's just something to, unless you have experience, it's very hard to understand. Mm. Because I'd never had something like that in my life before. I'd been frightened, I'd been depressed, I'd been worried, but I'd never, yeah, mm. gone to such depths. And um, yeah, so I was really struggling mm. physically. Um, of course, my adrenal glands were very weak, my kidneys weren't, you know, physically I wasn't coping mm. either because I was fighting. Most of the time, I felt like I was struggling to try and get on top of what was happening, but I just wasn't able to. As time went by, yeah. Um, so, what were some of the mechanisms you did with with dealing with it? Like, what were you taking? 
in the sense of like actions to try and you know, get yourself out of it or feel better? Well, I, I had to resign from work because I, I began having uh, by having anxiety attacks, panic attacks. So okay. um, I was frightened I couldn't drive um, because of that. So because the fear is that, that I will have another one. Um, so, so I resigned from work because work obviously wasn't the environment, the environment <laughs> that I should have been in. Um, and then I um, <clears throat> went and saw my GP and was prescribed anti-anxiety medication. Um, and then I um, was given a referral to a psychiatrist to, um, and I, I yeah, I was during this time. I was so resistant to the idea of pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, being into um, feeling quite. Uh, you know, I felt the natural healing methods were so important part of, of my own way of, of of healing and helping myself. Whether it was yoga, meditation, like you said, and uh, the thought of going on pharmaceuticals just seemed. I was frightened because of side effects. I was frightened of, of listening to other people's stories and experiences. And um, I was terrified that all sorts of things were going to happen to me. I would become uh, a zombie. Mm. I, uh, so at that time, there's no way I was going to go anywhere near, near pharmaceutical medications. Mm. Um, so the psychiatrist, because of that, um, you know, perhaps she thought I was going to be able to get through this. Without those, she still didn't prescribe me antidepressants. She prescribed me natural um, ingredients, uh, natural remedies, which she had found had been helpful for people. Mm. Um, and that didn't work for me. I was seeing a naturopath at the time, and um, she put me on a whole regime of different natural remedies, herbs, tablets, um, bark flower remedies, you know, so, the, so I was on quite a regime um, and she felt confident that she was going to be able to help me through this, although she was a trained pharmacist herself. Okay. She obviously thought, well, if I needed to go on antidepressants down the, path, down the track, then she could help with um, me with dealing with the side effects of that medication. Okay. So I was doing that and I, then I also became aware of a woman um, who had had such, had been through anxiety and depression herself, uh, but when she was younger in her life and what and from that she had um, developed written books and developed has since become a counsellor and does continue to be working actively and offer, offering workshops with yeah. people with anxiety and depression because she was able to get through it herself with only very minute use of pharmaceuticals. Okay. What was it? Can you remember her name? The books that you uh, Bev Asbet, okay. A I S B E W T. Yeah. So through her, I I purchased a um, home-based recovery program uh, that she developed, uh, which went over a number of five weeks, and I was to do um, one session per week, as well as having a couple of online counselling sessions with her, okay. because she, you know she lives here in Melbourne and lived up there. So I did that, and. Um, I started to feel better. Some of the fear was lifting. Um, I'd come to the end of the day and I wasn't feeling as terrified as what I had been feeling. I could perhaps drive a little bit further. Um, 
So, yes, so I thought, oh, wow, this is fantastic. I was feeling so, so relieved. But um, unfortunately, that did not last. I um, went and had some natural therapy, some acupuncture, acupuncture and uh, I felt that the actual, I'd heard that she was very good and she did say to me that, yes, you know, I, you know I've dealt with, with a lot of people with anxiety and depression. I said, but do you know that I'm, I'm really struggling and I'm, you know, finding it very, very hard to cope, just, mm. you know. But she felt she could help me. So anyway, I had one <clears throat> session with her and uh, the symptoms came back. Mm. And, um, yeah, I felt that uh, she just – I didn't feel her bedside manner was, was very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So I felt like she had disregarded all the work that I had done prior to this and that I really needed to deal with the root cause of something to – to actually help to heal it. And I felt like I'd been dealing with that anyway. Yeah. Um, as much, as well as I could with what I was doing. Um, so then um, I just, from that, I hadn't really been depressed so much up until then, but then I just dropped into depression. Mm. I became very depressed and um, probably I was just becoming exhausted too. Um, so I was crying each day and... Um, just hard to get through each day. During this time, mind you, I was taking um, lorazepam, which is a benzodiazepine, um, and I was um, taking that to take the edge off the anxiety, which did help. Yeah. Um, is that a prescription anti-anxiety? Yes, it's, a, yes, it's, a, it's just like Valium. It's yeah, from the yeah. same family. Um, but the, anyway, so that did help to some degree, but being me and being so afraid of pharmaceutical drugs, I was only taking minute you didn't amounts. didn't want to OD on it? No, I just <laughs> was afraid because of my own experience and mental yep. health of becoming addicted and, sure. and dependent. So I was taking a quarter of a tablet. When you needed to be taking a whole one. Yes, you know. but having said that, that seemed to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, my, my one of my family members who's in, in the psychiatric field felt that, okay, I'm, I'm quite medication sensitive, which, mm. So anyway, so I was taking that um, mm. each week. I can't remember the actual doses, but yeah. So I was taking that. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, I was just getting more and more exhausted. Uh, and um, I, one thing I forgot to say is that I did use, I did use um, medicinal cannabis. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, because, you know, I was in quite a desperate situation by that stage and, and you know, because of the studies that have been done in that field um, in relation to, I know that it's a very, very effective pain reliever. Mm. Um, studies in anxiety and depression are still, you know, fairly early days. Especially in Australia. Yeah, and, and especially for quite significant symptoms. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought, look, you know, I have to give it a go, and mm. I, I did, and um, it didn't work for me. Yeah. So by that stage, I thought, oh no, you know, what are you gonna do? I was starting to feel like I just couldn't keep going on. Yeah. And it hadn't been for the support of my family, my partner, my family, and um, I'm very fortunate to have that because I have, you know, seen that people don't have that support of family. Mm. So I ended up um, realising that I was going to need to go on 
questions. Yeah. And which I did. Yeah. Um, and um, I haven't looked back since. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've been on them for nearly twelve months now. Mm. Um, and the. And I was very lucky to yeah. have been started on one, but it was obviously is it says help me. Um, but for me, just I'll say quickly, like the the difference was day and night again, like from you being completely, it's almost like you were disabled, you know, you couldn't really leave the house, everything was a worry, everything was fearful, and then when you started taking antidepressants, you just pretty, you ended up having your old personality, your old self back, really, like, like you said, pharmaceuticals, there's a lot of, you know, I think there's, there's so much bad negative stigma around it, for a good reason, but at the same time, they do have their time and place, for sure. Yes. Um, yes, I think see. you're right. And it has um, taught me to, well, I've just had to open my mind to that experience. Um, and I can say that is a real experience because I tried everything. Mm. Well, no, I tried so many things. And um, I'm not saying it's for everybody because some people, you know, everyone has their own, own journey. Um, but for me, it was something that I really needed to, to use. Mm. Um, and of course, I, yes, it was hard initially because there was a fairly strong, fairly strong side effects of the first week of just feeling quite sick. Yeah. But that, as I was told, it, it would go away and it did go away. Mm. And um, probably the main side effects are I have some drowsiness in the mornings, um, just waking up. It's a bit. Yeah, it can be difficult to actually wake up properly. Yeah, yeah. I feel, um, yeah, but look, that goes. That goes by mid-morning. Mm. It's gone. And if I get up and go for a walk or do some yoga um, or just, yeah, do stretching, then that, that disappears as well. Yeah, cool. So other than that, I do have, yeah, it's had a little bit of an effect on my digestive system. Yeah. But, um, yes, I'm, cons I'm, on lots, I'm not on a very high dose. Yeah. Um, and... As we'll wait and see as time goes. Yes, I am. I'm well now. I am. Yeah. Do you I'm think there's a there's a time where you'll look at slowly like weaning off the antidepressants over over the years, or well, you know, gradually it could be something. You, I mean, obviously it's completely up to you what you do, but do you ever think about that as well? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do because me being a bit sensitive, slightly sensitive sometimes, I. You know, I do think, oh gosh, what what's it going to do my body to my mm. body when I'm on them long on them on long term? So, um, you know, but when I I'm reminded about how I was and, and I remember how I was, and I think, oh my goodness, really, what yeah, is yeah. it? It's really not a really big thing to worry about because I continue to look after myself, yeah. I continue to eat well, and now I'm able to to do yoga again, and I've started meditating again, and enjoying my life yeah um i mean some people might think and i've heard that said that well you might have naturally had started to become well mm. so, left home and went and stayed with family mm. because i just needed the support yeah for sure and who knows really it's it, it doesn't mean anything mm. um because physically i knew that i had to do something because yeah. physically i was really so that's the decision I took. 
um, even though I was still eating well, I was sleeping okay through mm. all of this, which is quite amazing. A lot of people who experience anxiety, depression, have mm. problems with sleeping. Mm. Um, so now you can look back and, you know, you've come out the other side of it. Like, what are the, you know, your reflective thoughts on it all and the experience of going through that? Um, um, I'm still assessing that, I think. Yeah. Um, look, I'm just, I'm just relieved to be well. Yeah. Really, if you talk to anyone who's been through such a deep, you know, experience of anxiety and depression, it's like to be well mm. means just so much. Mm. Um, yeah, and changes are happening in my, in my life, just quite big changes. Um, and um, I'm able to, I feel like I'm, Coping with them, I'm yeah. able to cope with them. Whereas before, I didn't even know that I was ever, was ever going to be able to participate in dealing with, you know, some bigger kind of changes, some big changes in my life, which are obviously coming up. So yes, so um, I'm, and it's funny because you know through my experiences of meditation, yoga, and reading spiritual books and about learning to live in the present, I feel like. Perhaps it's it's shown me how to do that more because I now know that I can't afford to think of negative thoughts for very long. Mm. I cannot afford to be there, and I can't think about it. You know, I don't need. I it's just not good to do that for anyone, regardless no, for if they're anyone. mentally unwell or not. But somehow it feels like, um, yeah, it's something. It's it's. Yeah, I'm able to do a bit more easily. Do you feel like you've come out of it with like, I don't know to put it like, you know, a stronger toolbox to deal with these issues? Yes, yep. yes, I do. Okay. I do. I, I certainly do. And I'd like to think that I could, could drop down the dose. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I probably will give that um, a go in probably another couple of months. But regardless of that medication, like the sense of dealing with going ahead and living your life to the fullest do you feel like you've come out with you know in hindsight now better better equipped psychology and you know an understanding to move forward yes yes i think so yeah. um most definitely um i still get you know sometimes i'll worry about things but um i don't hang on to that those thoughts for too long mm. i just let them go and say okay so what can I practically do yep. to help this um, happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm probably a bit more pragmatic about how yeah. I go about it all. So, um, so anyone like anyone that was listening and you know might have had, or they're going through a similar experience. Like, do you have any any advice or any anything you can you can give out or share that that might be helpful in regards to going through something like this? Um, yes, it's important to not um, be by yourself. If it's important to go and seek the help, whether it's trusted friends, um, uh, to have yeah, just where you feel like you can you can have some support, be able to talk, and to try and help um, find some solutions to what you're going through or some strategies. Yeah. Uh, don't. Don't uh, be alone mm. with this because, um, and it's taught me too, you know, after being a Miss, Mrs. Independence for so many years, that uh, 
how important family and friends are um, and uh, to allow yourself to be vulnerable mm. and supported um, in just voicing what's going on yeah. with yourself. For sure. Uh, and don't close, you know, I come from quite an alternative experience and it's taught me not to, to be open-minded about what can help me. Yeah. And don't be afraid to, um, yeah, try different things because everyone is different. What will work for me might work for someone else. Mm. Um, yeah, so have support around you, uh, which is most important. If you don't have any family members, you don't have any friends, just go and uh, there are different places we can go to find counsellors or mm. people who can support you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, look after yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we end this, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the nurses out there, the doctors, the mental health nurses, the practitioners and the counsellors, the social workers, you know, they're definitely, it's a, it's a very, very hard job and, you know, we need people like that that are carers and healers. Um, so thanks for sharing your story, Monique, Mum. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was very enjoyable. Do you have anything else you wanted to say before we close it off? No, um, I don't think so. I've probably said enough, but um, yeah, uh, hopefully given me an opportunity to do a bit of reflecting on where I've come from in the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for for having me, Emma. No worries. All right. See you later, guys.